Welcome to the Valley Point Podcast. Valley Point Church is a faith community located in Glen Mills, Pennsylvania. Our mission is pointing people to real relationships and real significance. This week continues our series, Unanswered. Enjoy and thanks for listening. I hope that you are enjoying your summer and also enjoying our summer series called Unanswered. You know, summer is normally this time where you kind of relax a little bit. And we have been doing anything but that here at Valley Point Church as we have been asking different questions. I think they've been great questions that we have been walking through for several weeks now. So we've been asking these questions and then just diving into scripture to discover what God has to say about this. So our brains have been active, I think. Our Bibles have been open and our hearts are soft to God's truth. And I have absolutely loved walking through this series with you over the summer and I hope that you are enjoying it too. We still have a few more weeks to go. As a matter of fact, I want to let you know about next week, I'm going to be in the hot seat, so to speak. Last week, I asked you guys to submit your frequently asked questions, maybe some stuff that you have been wondering about in life, in faith, in whatever. Just put it down, and we'll attempt to answer that. And so next week, Ben Jones is going to interview me, and I'm going to go off script and just listen to his questions and do my very best to respond. So I'm kind of nervous about that, but I think we'll have a lot of fun And please come back next week. I think it's a great opportunity to bring a friend as well as we just get kind of real here at Valley Point. So that's going to take place next Sunday. I want to present our question for today, our unanswered question. And that is, what happened to me when I trusted in Jesus alone to save me? What really happened to me? And I don't know if you've ever wondered about that or if you have ever asked that yourself, but I think it is a tremendous question to ask. What really happened to me when I trusted in Christ? Because you don't get a certificate, you don't get some type of plaque, so what really happened? And I want to dive into that particular question today. I think coming out of that question is a secondary one. And that is, does Jesus really matter? Does he matter? So what really happened to me when I trusted in Jesus alone to save me? And coming out of that, does Jesus actually matter? I hope to bring clarity to both of those thoughts today as we move through unanswered on this Sunday. Before we jump into those particular questions, I want to share our big idea for today And that is, Jesus has done something for me that I never could have accomplished on my own. I want you to think about that, because it's a pretty bold statement. Jesus has done something for me, something that I absolutely never could have accomplished on my own. And as we dive into these questions, I think this will all come out in our conversation. If you have a Bible or a device, I want you to find Romans chapter 3, and I'm going to begin reading with verse 21 in just a moment through verse 28. You can also scan the QR code in your program, and that'll bring up all of our scripture and notes for today. So Romans chapter 3, 
verses 21 through 28. Before we read that, I want to share with you the purpose of the book of Romans. And this is something that I've been trying to get better at as I research and as I study, that each and every book in the Bible has a very specific purpose. In other words, when the Holy Spirit guided that particular author, they were guided to write with an overarching theme, a purpose. And it is valuable to know the purpose of every book because everything within that book kind of points to it. And so we can read scripture and we can learn quite a bit, but it really gets pretty deep when we understand the specific purpose of an author and why he wrote that book. It just helps us to understand at greater levels. And so here's the purpose of the book of Romans. It was written by a guy named Paul. He's the author. And Paul presents a comprehensive statement of justification by faith. And we're going to talk about what that means. Justification and faith. These are kind of important words. So Paul, the author, he presents just a very comprehensive statement of justification by faith, which is available to both Jew and Gentile. Pause. And I know you're reading the rest of the statement, so just kind of hang with me there for a moment. This comprehensive statement that Paul, the author, is giving is available to both Jew and Gentile. This is a radical thought at this particular time and in this culture because Jews and Gentiles were exclusive. And so all of a sudden, here comes somebody with faith, with God's authority saying, you know what, there is something that is available for both Jew and Gentile, a really unique and creative thought. And so Paul, he presents a comprehensive statement of justification by faith, which is available to both Jew and Gentile. That would have caught everybody's attention in the day. In order to show that God is just in his dealings with both groups, in order to do this, in order to unify them. So not to divide them, but in order to unify them around this justifying faith theme, which we're going to kind of dive into all of this. You know, the book of Romans is a very powerful book in Scripture. Some have described it as the highest mountain peak in the range of the New Testament which is a bold statement because there's a lot of books there and they all have much to say. But some scholars believe that this one kind of stands above the rest. And so if you love mountains and big sky and sweeping views, then this is your book. And I want to begin reading in chapter 3. When we get to verse 21, we find some very powerful thoughts. So these are God's holy and authoritative words. And out of respect for God and his word, will you stand with me as we read? Verse 21 says this, a lot of good news in this, by the way. So feel free to smile every once in a while as we walk our way through this. There's good news and then some bad news and then we get to good news again. So here's verse 21. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. Now, that sounds good, doesn't it? 
there is a way that I can be made right with God. There is a way that you can be made right with God, and it's not about keeping all of the requirements of the law. That sounds great. How does it happen? Verse 22. We are made right with God by placing our faith or our trust in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. A very remarkable statement in Scripture. And if you like to highlight and underline and circle, I would encourage you, mark that verse every way that you can, because we are made right. Here's how it happens. By placing our faith in Jesus Christ, and this is it's true for everybody. It's true for all who believe, no matter who we are. Great, great news. Now, here comes some bad news. Verse 23, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet, God freely and graciously, get this now, declares that we are righteous. The construction of this language here helps us to understand this is a legal pronouncement by God. He actually declares freely and graciously, by the way, that we are righteous. Now, how did he do this? Well, he did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness for he himself, get this, is fair and just. And he declares sinners to be right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. So here's the conclusion. Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? I love this question. Can I boast that I've done anything to be made right in God's sight? Can you boast that you've done anything to be made right or to be accepted by God? The answer is no, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It's not based on doing things. It is based on faith. So we are made right. There's that word again. We're justified. We are justified. We are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. And may God add his blessing to the reading of his words. You may be seated. Okay, so back to the question. What happened to me when I trusted in Jesus? And what really happened? Did anything change? And if so, what changed? And how do we even describe this? Let me ask you this. If you were presented with that question, somebody that you know understands that you go to church and you have this element of faith in your life and so they come to you and they begin to talk about Jesus and maybe you even say, hey, I've trusted in Jesus to save me. What would you say if they asked you, well, what really happened to you when you did that? 
And when you trusted, when you embraced the leadership and the forgiveness that God offers through Jesus Christ, what really happened to you? Often we respond and we say things like this. Well, I'm different. I'm changed. I have more confidence in my eternity. And certainly all of those things are true and fair. But is there something else that we can say? Maybe you're here and you'd have no idea how to respond to that. Like, I'm just not sure what to say. So here's the deal. Today, I want to give you language. I want to give you a couple of key words that you can attach to that statement so that you know yourself. Here's exactly what happened to me when I trusted in Jesus alone to save me. And here's how I can describe this and portray it to someone else as well. So hopefully I give clarity to that question and give you a little bit of language. Now, maybe you're here and you're not sure about Jesus. You know about him and you understand him to be a historical figure. Yes, he really lived, but you're kind of kicking the tires of Christianity. You're considering the claims of Jesus. You're just not quite sure you're there yet. Maybe you'd even say, I haven't trusted in Jesus alone to save me. I want to say to you, I'm glad that you're here at Valley Point Church. And here's what you need to know. This is a safe place for you to investigate and to question and to consider the claims of Christ. So I'm really glad that you're here. And I think you've chosen a great Sunday to be at church because I'm basically going to present to you an argument or the case for Christ. Like here is why he matters. And so this is just a great Sunday for you to consider all of this. Okay, here's where it gets fun. I want to present two key words to you that, again, gives you language to describe. Here's what happened to me when I trusted in Jesus. So get a pen. You got that? Get your program out. There's space there. I want you to write down these two key words. Here's the first word. It's justification. Justification. In other words, when I trusted in Jesus... I was justified, and here's what that word means. It means that I was declared righteous. And so if you're here and you have trusted in Jesus alone, guess what? Here's what happened to you. You were declared righteous, which is quite a remarkable thing because you know what you're like and I know what I'm like, but yet when I Come to faith. When I embrace the leadership and the forgiveness that Jesus offers, Scripture makes it clear, we've read it right here in Romans chapter 3, that I am legally pronounced righteous. I am justified. Now, to explain this a little bit further, the Bible tells us this. Your justification was instantaneous, which I think is beautiful. When you trusted in Jesus, instantaneous, no application needed. No income verification. You didn't have to submit your social security number and walk through a process that seems to take forever when we apply for anything anymore. No, scripture makes it clear. When you trusted in Jesus, when you put your faith in him, you were declared righteous instantaneously. And get this, it gets better. You were instantly declared righteous by God himself not by some low-ranking angel who needs to earn his wings. That's not how it works. Like you're some type of project. 
No. When you trusted in Christ, here's what happened. Declared righteous. It's a legal pronouncement. It happened instantaneously, and you were declared righteous by God himself. And it happened by faith alone. Not anything that we did or could do, because remember our big idea? Jesus has done something for us that we never could have accomplished on our own. So justification, this declaration of being righteous by God himself instantaneously, it happens by faith alone. Wow. I thought some of you might jump up and down and go a little crazy because that is a remarkable thing that has happened to us when we have trusted in Christ. And if anything, I hope it brings some joy to your life if you've done that and a bounce in your step that here is what happened to me. So the key word is justification. I have been declared righteous. Amazing. Amazing. And not because of anything that I've done. That's like the best part. It's all because of what Christ has done for us. Now, let me illustrate it this way. And this is something that I've shared with you before, but I think visuals are always good. So you will see on the screen a pre-justification graph. And imagine your life spiritually being divided into these two columns. There are debts and then there are Assets. So let's just think about this. I haven't come to Christ yet. I haven't been justified. I haven't been declared righteous. So let's take a look at the debt column. What does this look like? Well, get this. Each thought, act, or motive violates God's standard. And my personal sins accumulate as long as a person lives. That's a lot of debt, isn't it? That doesn't sound that good. That doesn't sound that promising, but yet before I trust Christ, this is the reality, each thought, act, and motive. It just violates God's standard in every possible way. And my sins, they accumulate as long as a person lives. That's a lot of debt. Let's think about the assets that we bring to the table before we're justified. (laughs) There are none. It's blank. There's no assets that we bring before justification. Now, I'm not a brilliant mathematician, and I'm not a great business person, but it's my understanding if your debts significantly outweigh your assets that you're going to be in trouble at some point. You're going to be in a lot of trouble. It just doesn't work. And that's where we find ourselves before we are justified by faith. The debt column just bursting and our sins piling up one after another and we have no assets at all. What's interesting about this is we often try to put some things into that asset column, don't we? Oh, behavior, ordinances, sacraments. We try to stack all of this stuff up as if it somehow will earn the favor of God. But here's the problem with everything that we try to put into that asset column before we are justified. It's like taking monopoly money into a bank. It's the wrong currency. And so before we are justified, all of these things we do to try to earn the favor of God, it's the wrong currency. 
We need divine movement on behalf of God in order to have anything to offer to him. So, pre-justification, it's not a pretty picture. Now, let's think about being justified. And here's what happens post-justification. Check out the debt column. I love this. The merits of Christ's death are credited to our account, and all debits are erased. Now, again, I thought maybe you'd get really excited about that because when we trust in Christ, debt is gone. And again, not because of anything that we've done. It's the merits of Christ's death. They are credited to us. And debt is erased. I don't know if you've ever had debt taken away by someone who was generous to you and maybe they provided something and a debt was removed. Or maybe you got to a place where you were able to pay off a debt and you make that last payment and it feels so good because you are free and clear of that thing that was hanging on your shoulders. Listen, when we trust in Jesus alone to save us, the debt column erased, and it's because of the merits of Christ's death. Do we have any assets? Well, look at this. The merits of Christ's life are credited to our account, and the assets column is now full. Not only is it full, I would say because we have the merits of Christ's life credited to us, the assets column is overflowing and it is bursting. And this is a beautiful picture of what happens to an individual when they trust in Jesus. We are instantly declared righteous. The debt column is removed and the assets are now bursting because of the merits of Christ's life. I would say... That justification is the most profound turning point in a person's life. Let me say that again. Listen, if you've been leaning out, just kind of lean back in for just a second. Because this key word, justification, it is the most profound turning point in a person's life. And it all centers on a divine righteousness. Not anything that I can do. No, and certainly not anything that you can do. Remember, Jesus has done something for us that we never could have accomplished on our own. It all happens because of a divine righteousness, and this is why we need Jesus. We need him because the only way we can be made right with God is if if Jesus does something for us, and he did. He did. That's the great news today. This is why we gather on Sunday and why we worship and sing and smile and serve Because Jesus did something for us that we never could have done on our own. Quite remarkable. Really amazing. And if you've ever wondered, what happened to me when I trusted in Jesus? Justified. That's the key word. Declared righteous. Debt's gone. The asset column bursting because of the merits of Christ's life and that divine righteousness that was given to you. Now, small thing? No, big deal. Really big deal. I want to go back now to the secondary question, which kind of falls out of what happened to me when I trusted in Jesus, and that is, does Jesus matter? Does Jesus really matter? Well, the answer is yes, and Scripture is explicitly clear 
I mean, when you view the corpus of Scripture, it is explicitly clear that Jesus makes some bold claims about being the way. And here's where we pick up on our second key word. I want to go back to our paragraph, Romans chapter 3, verse 22. Here's what it says. We are made right with God. Again, this is a wonderful thought. We're made right with God by placing our, say the word with me, church, our faith. Let's try it again. We are made right with God by placing our faith, our trust in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes no matter who we are. No matter who we are. The inclusiveness of the gospel. Like again, this is an astonishing thing. And so as Paul would have been sharing this in this culture, it would have just made everyone's mind go absolutely crazy and their eyes get really big because they were into exclusiveness and all of a sudden here comes along someone talking about Jesus and how his claims are available for all. So here's the second key word. Write this down. It's the word faith or trust. But let's use the word faith. So the first key word is justification or justifying. The second key word is faith. It's trust. Let's put these two words together. Justifying faith. That's how you can describe what happened to you when you trusted in Jesus. I have now justifying faith. Sounds great, doesn't it? Justifying faith. Here's what I want to do with our remaining time. I want to invite you into the deep end of the pool for a few moments. Remember when you learned how to swim? Or maybe you're in the process of teaching your kids or grandkids how to swim. Generally, we start in the shallow end. That's the safe place. Now, I know some of you are a little out there and you just toss your kids into the deep end and hope for the best But by and large, most of us that are responsible parents, we start in the shallow end. And that's fun, that's enjoyable, until you know how to swim. And then all of a sudden, you start looking over there. And that's the deep end. And that's where all the fun is. That's where the action takes place. Well, I want to tool around in the deep end of justifying faith for a few moments because I think this is just a lot of fun and it's going to give us more language that speaks to the depths of what Jesus offers to all of us. So I want to give you five different statements that will clarify justifying faith. These statements are not original to me. I got them from a professor that I studied under and when I researched them and studied with him, it just really made a significant difference in my life in understanding this whole concept of justifying faith. So let's walk through this. Here's the deep end of the pool. Let's think about the faith of justification, statement number one. The faith of justification involves intellectual content. Saving faith is not void of knowledge. It's not just a blind leap. It's more than a feeling. It's more than a feeling, right? It's just more than a feeling. And by the way, this is one of the things that I get frustrated when other people begin to knock Christianity and say, it's just a crutch for the mentally weak. It's a really unsophisticated argument because justifying faith requires knowledge. You have to know something in order to respond to that. 
And if you don't know that, you're not going to respond. It's just not going to happen. So the faith of justification involves intellectual content. Second, the faith of justification involves assent. It is one thing to know intellectually what Scripture says about me and my sin and how my debt column is bursting and I have no assets to offer to God at all. It's one thing to know that. It is something else to believe that those things are actually true of me. See, I can know all about Jesus. And he came and he lived and he died and he rose again. He paid for my sins. But if I don't assent to that knowledge and understand that this sin problem is true of me, then I will probably never walk through justifying faith. It's not going to happen because the faith of justification, it involves assent. Thirdly, the faith of justification involves the will. In other words, there must be a choice. There must be a reliance on Christ alone. There must be an acknowledgement that I am spiritually bankrupt. And again, my debt column is full. My asset column is empty. I am spiritually bankrupt. And I have to have a desire to be made right through the merits of Christ's life. Keep in mind, and I think this is really important to know and to understand, the devil, the great enemy of God, it's fair to say that he has intellectual content. He knows all about Jesus and his work. He even tried to stop it. He has intellectual content. I could even make an argument that the devil has a scent. He knows those things to be true of him. So what's missing? What's missing is that his will is opposed to God. And he has never made the choice to embrace what Jesus offers. And this is the incredible thing about faith. And that is Jesus doesn't force his way into our lives. He doesn't make you choose. He presents his life. He asks us to consider all of his claims, and then the choice is ours. And so the faith of justification, it involves the will. We have a choice to make here to either respond to what Jesus offers or to walk away from that. The fourth statement. Faith is the channel of justification. Not behavior, not ordinances, not sacraments, not any of those things. Faith and faith alone is the channel. And this is what gives God all of the credit for this work. Finally, the strength of one's faith is not relevant to justification. And I want to camp on this one for just a moment because I think this is pretty unique. The strength of one's faith is not relevant to justification. It's God's strength that justifies, not mine. Let me ask you this. Have you ever had doubts or wondered about your faith? Have you ever felt a little bit shaky at times? I know I have. I think we're all there. And often in those situations, we wonder, well, is it real? I may not have a lot of confidence about this. And often our lack of confidence comes because we know what we think and what we say and what we do. And so we begin to wonder, I don't know if God through Jesus can really justify me. I don't know if he can really declare me righteous because of who I am. And so we get a little shaky with this. Well, here's the great news. 
the strength of one's faith. Whether I approach it with confidence and boldness and I rush in and I understand and I get it all, or whether I have questions and I'm a bit shaky, the strength of one's faith is not relevant to justification. I want to read to you a quote from Martin Luther, a theologian and reformer. Here's how he describes this. Two persons may hold a glass of wine in their hands. The hand of the one trembles. The hand of the other does not. Two persons may hold a purse full of money, one with a weak hand, the other with a strong hand. Whether the hand is strong or weak, it neither increases nor decreases the content of the purse or the content of the glass. So the only difference between St. Paul and me is the fact that he holds this treasure more firmly than I. But what Luther was saying is, I still hold it. I still have it. Because my strength or my shakiness is not relevant to justification. It's all about God's strength. And all of this, by the way, all of this, because of Jesus. And that's why he matters. And that's why it makes him the most important topic when it comes to salvation. And why we spend so much time here at Valley Point talking about Jesus. Because he is the one who makes it possible for us to be right with God. To be justified instantly by God himself. Declared righteous because of justifying faith. I've got two takeaways for you. First of all, if you've trusted in Jesus alone, here's what I want you to do this week. Walk with confidence, okay? Whether you're feeling shaky about that or not. Listen, if you've trusted in Jesus, you are justified. You have been declared righteous instantaneously by God himself. So walk with confidence. And even if you feel you don't have a lot going for you in life, my goodness, who cares? You've got Jesus. Your eternity is set. You have so much in him. So smile a little bit, okay? Can you even smile a little bit right now? All right, it's good. Listen, if you've trusted in Jesus, this is great news. Great news. You're right with God. Remarkable. Remarkable. Walk with confidence. Secondly, if you have never trusted in Jesus, again, maybe you're here and you're wondering, you're questioning, you're not sure, you're kicking the tires. That's all great. If you've never trusted in Jesus, you can. You can. And I want to give you that opportunity today. Will you pray with me? Thanks for listening. We'd also love to have you join us on any Sunday morning as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 or 11 a.m.